Fall kickoff is next week. We have one service at 9 a.m. And then afterwards, outside, we'll have live music, hot food, games, and even some competition. You'll have the opportunity to connect with some new people and people you've known for years. See you next week. Hey, did you know that we also have a young adults lunch? We meet every Sunday at 12.30 after church in the surf shack. We have good food, lively Bible discussions, and even great life discussions as well. If you're a young adult, you should come on by. But if you also know a young adult, you should invite them. And after church on your way out, don't forget to grab invitations for both events. Well, good morning, La Jolla Community Church. How's everyone? <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this beautiful morning. If you're able, please stand as we enter into worship.
Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time together. Thank you for the opportunity to worship with you, God. Thank you for technology that allows us to span time zones and generations, God. Pray that you would continue to guide us and lead us to love us. God, we pray that as we seek you this week, our hearts would be grown closer to you, God. And because of that, we would come together as your people, ready and willing to serve you. We love you. We praise you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Welcome to all you joining us online. My name is Ryan Sylvia. I'm the student ministries director here at La Jolla Community Church. Thank you all so much for joining us in person and on the website. So glad for us to be able to get that live stream up and running. Like I said, my name is Ryan Sylvia. Thank you so, so, so much for joining us on this wonderful Sunday. Hope you all got to enjoy Josh and his amazing video announcements this morning. We've entered the 21st century, ladies and gentlemen. It is quite exciting to be a part of it. Well, with that, uh, you should have gotten our brand new bulletin, also designed by our amazing media arts director. I think that's your title, Josh. He is so talented and wonderful. We've got this fun little card. I don't know if you can tell, super fancy and hidden. If you fold this bad boy in half, it's perforated. So you can tear off that top part. We're going to talk about the bottom down here. This is our Connect card on one side. This is how we're going to get you plugged in. If this is your first Sunday or your thousandth Sunday here at La Jolla Community Church, we want to get you plugged in. We want to get you engaged. We've got so many things going on between our family time during second service, our young adult lunches. There's a lot going on here. So if you want to get involved, plugged in, and involved in one of our ministries, take a moment, fill that out. Let us know how you would like to get plugged in at La Jolla Community Church. And on the other side of that card is this awesome prayer form. This is how we at La Jolla Community Church come together and pray over each other. This is how we love each other, we take care of our needs, and we just pray for one another. One of my favorite things that I get to do every single week is we sit down and individually pray over every single prayer request here at La Jolla Community Church. We are a family that believes in lifting each other's needs up, caring for each other, and providing for one another. So if you've got something going on in your life that's difficult, you've got something where you're just like, God, I, I need you. I need your intervention. Please take a moment, fill that out. Heck, if you've got something fantastic going on in your life. You've got something that you just, God is so great and glorious. I was talking to some some friends on their way and they just had a fantastic vacation and a wonderful time. We want to praise God for that. Thank you so much for the little moments, the joyous moments. So if you've got something you would like to share, please take a moment, fill that out. And on your way out, there is a basket in the little foyer there. You can drop it off in. In front of you as well, there are the offering envelopes. If you would like to take a moment um, to just bless, thank God for the blessings that he has poured out to you, um, feel free to grab one of those. And there are boxes in the Welcome Center and in the church that you can take on your way out. And I hope and pray that everybody doesn't throw this top half away. I don't want to see any of these in the trash can on the way out. If you don't want it, that's great. Hand it to one of your neighbors. Hand it to a friend. Let them know next Sunday, fall kickoff. You guys are great at this first service. We would love to celebrate and join you. So please take this card, hand it to somebody that you love and that you would love to share the love of Jesus with. Well, with that, I would love to invite our wonderful Pastor Steve up to lead us in a message. Thank you, thank you. Ryan. Well, good morning. My gosh, can you believe it? the summer is over? It's shocking. I don't know if you feel like you had a summer uh, with uh, the resurgence of COVID and all the crazy stuff that comes with it. Uh, but man, I can't believe it's already, what year is it? Still, two, still 2021, right? But I mean, it just has flown by. And this summer we've been talking about living a virtuous life. How's that going for you? I'm just wondering, just asking a personal question. Not bad? So-so? Okay. Uh, Don't give up. Uh, Be of of good cheer because as you walk with Christ, he develops a virtuous life in us. 
And we've been talking about living a virtuous life uh, because everybody in their heart of hearts wants to be virtuous. Everybody wants to get it right. If you interview people, casually, informally, having a cup of coffee, you're, you're having a beer with somebody, you go, hey, just I'm curious, how, how would you rate yourself uh, on, one, uh, from, on a scale of 1 to 10 based on how virtuous you are? And most people go, well, I'm no 10. Maybe a 9, I don't know. Uh, you know, you know we all tend to up, uh, you know, uh, we have great inflation when it comes to rating our own virtue. Uh, and then there are the perpetual people who go, oh, I'm, I'm lower than one, you know, and you go, okay, no false humility allowed. Realistically, where are you uh, on that scale of one to ten, uh, if such a thing existed? Oh, that's right, the Ten Commandments, I forgot. Yeah, so there's a scale, and if you were to say, well, okay, this is my number, then the big question would be, so what do you want, what do you want to do with that? What do you want to do about that? What do you mean, what do I want to do about it? Well, if you're three, and if you're serious about it, what do you want to do with that? Where do you want to go with that? Are you content to be a three of virtue? I mean, you wear a little button that says, ask me, I'm a three. I mean, I don't know. What, what, what do you do with that? Well, in the human heart, we want to get better. Uh, we want to develop. Even the most vile person would say, well, compared to these guys on death row, I'm, I'm really quite virtuous. You go, okay, well, we all want to find a way to give ourselves credit for at least wanting to be virtuous. So uh, this has been the whole series. If you've missed any part of the series, uh, go back and watch these messages. Uh, uh, Scott Schimmel had a phenomenal message about gentleness uh, last week. And maybe you've never thought of being gentle as a virtue. It certainly is. It's not about being weak. It's about being responsive. Well, today we're going to wrap up the series by talking about hope. Uh, hope is sort of the capstone. You might say, well, if love is the foundation of virtue, hope is the capstone uh, of virtue. And as I thought about hope, I thought of this couple uh, who have a very contentious relationship, and they deal with it using humor. And one time, the wife was so frustrated with her, with her selfish husband, she said, look, I packed your bags, get out. And as she thought about it, and he was just like, okay, fine. And he's starting to walk out. Now she's really mad. She goes, and I hope you die a long and painful and slow death. And he says, so, that means you want me to stay? Okay. Uh, hope. Find it in the darkest places. Uh, how many of you are familiar with White Sands? Uh, White Sands, that very posh retirement community on the coast in La Jolla, um, if you have some time on your hands and you're in La Jolla and you can get into the place, I don't know how, how it's working with COVID, and you start talking to people in, in, in White Sands, you will meet some of the most interesting people on the planet, no, no doubt. When I first moved to La Jolla 25 years ago, somebody told me about White Sands and I went over and started walking around talking to people. And, and so here's a guy living in a, in a small room. He's a very modest guy. And I said, so, hey, tell me about you. And next thing you know, he's telling me how he invented the, the brakes on jets. Like, I didn't know Jets had brakes. He goes, well, it's just reverse thrust, and this guy came up with this concept, and here he is sitting in this little place in Hawaii called White Sands. Anyway, there was an aspiring young guy who wanted to do something nice for the people who lived in White Sands, so he took his guitar, and he went room to room, uh, singing songs, playing songs, none of which the people knew, but of course, they were the ones he liked. And he's playing these songs, and he's telling stories, he's telling jokes, and he worked, goes from room to room, the public areas, and then finally, at the last room, his, his final performance... He's, he's doing his shtick with this uh, older fellow uh, who is recovering from surgery. And at the end of it, as he's walking out, feeling very satisfied with his performance of the morning, he says, well, I certainly hope you get better. 
And the man says, and I hope you get better too. <laughs> hope, 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 hope. Uh, hope is a deep desire in the human heart, the human soul, for things to get better. Would you agree with that? Hope is a deep, deep desire in the human heart and the human soul uh, for things to work out and get better. And we, as followers of Jesus, people who, who confess Christ as our Savior and our Lord, who say, hey, look, I wasn't at one point, but now I am. I believe this. My hope is in the Lord. He is the source of my hope. I used to believe in optimism. I think optimism is great, but there's something even better than optimism because optimism tends to be uh, more bordering on wishful thinking, uh, but, but hope is better. Or when people use the word optimism and they start talking about it, they're actually, you find out, talking about hope. And, and hope is, is what God gives us. Hope comes out of the heart of God into our hearts. And so Isaiah 42.4 says, In his name the nations will put their hope. Why? Because they're particularly religious and they're Jewish? No. This is, this is a declaration from the nation of Israel about all humankind. In his name, all the nations will put uh, their hope. Why? Because he is the source of hope. Where else do you go? The writer of Hebrews in chapter 6 says this, this way, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Hope enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. Now that's a, a familiar uh, analogy and a very out there one. The first part is pretty familiar, right? We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, as in a big current is going to take you somewhere. If you've ever been up in British Columbia, Canada, the border just opened to Americans, and so two friends who have properties up there and boats up there immediately went up and, and got into Canada, and uh, that, uh, they live up uh, along north of Vancouver, and it's beautiful, Desolation Sound is up there, all kinds of gorgeous yachting places up there. There's also some treacherous currents. I mean, there's these currents, the tides are so big, there's these currents that come through, and they will suck a boat into a hole. And what happens is you think, no, I got a big twin-screw diesel boat, and I'm going to just power up here. And pretty soon you realize I've got both engines full on, and, the, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm not getting sucked back, but re- meanwhile, I'm burning up the bearings on my engine, and in a few moments, my engine's going to stop, and I'm going to get sucked into this vortex and crushed against this rock. Crazy how powerful the tides are up there. You can surf the tides up there. Uh, out of Egmont, there's a place... Uh, a seashell inlet, and there's a perpetual wave that guys surf in these little dinky kayaks. Powerful forces. But we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We can't be sucked away, taken away by a current. Why? What's this anchor connected to? Well, this is the second part of that verse in Hebrews. Uh, See, our hope enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, a picture of the temple with the Holy of Holies, and in that, behind that curtain of uh, 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 called the Holy of Holies, is God. The people, they believe that's where God was. And it was when Jesus resurrected from the, uh, uh, was raised from the dead, well, actually when Jesus was, was crucified, that, t- that, that, that uh, curtain was torn from the top to the bottom, massive, high, higher than the ceiling, cur- torn in half, exposing the fact that Jesus has made a way into this Holy of Holies. And the resurrection of Jesus then confirms that he is, in fact, the one we consider the Holy of Holies. And so this anchor that sustains us is connected to him who did this on our behalf. This is the source of hope. I hope that gives you goosebumps maybe or makes you think, wow, I hadn't really thought of it as that significant. I thought of it as my best intentions of making good out of bad. 
holding on until a better day. It's bigger and better than that. It's God himself anchoring us in him. And if we let go, we let go, but we don't have to let go because he's made it possible for us to be secure in him despite the circumstances. Uh, Perhaps you're familiar with uh, Emily Dickinson's most famous uh, poem called Feathers. (laughs) It's funny funny to have a... Sounds like a poem I could write, you know, feathers. Uh, but it's fantastic because she has this, this um, line, and she describes hope as the thing with feathers. It's an odd line. Uh, hope is that thing with feathers. And what she's doing is she's giving us this picture of, a, of a, like a songbird in our soul singing us God's praises, singing us God's assurances. I'm here. I'm with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. It's a powerful picture. This songbird in our soul calling us to faith to trust God who makes things right. This is the source of our hope. And so Paul says, what do you do with it? Uh, Hope floats. You've heard of that, right? Hope floats, but guess what? Hope marches. Uh, Hope stops for rest and figures out, okay, where am I? How did I get here? Where do I need to go? And then hope marches. Hope moves us toward this intended wonderful outcome. Uh, what a friend of mine calls confident expectation. Isn't that a great line? So I, I literally this week asked somebody, he said, what, what do you think of when you think of the word hope? This guy is so smart and he's just clever. He said, confident expectation. I said, oh my gosh, that is really good. That's a great way of summarizing it. Well, Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter three. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's, a, it's quite an, an aspire, inspiring, uh, confident declaration. I press on. He's already told us, man, I've been through so much bad stuff. Uh, here's my list, and it's a partial list. And you read the list, you think, oh, my gosh. Uh, that's horrible. But then he says, hey, but I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. How can he say this? Is it just bravado, posturing? No. Not at all. We're called to walk with Jesus. He knows where he's leading us, and it's good. He knows where he's leading us, and it's good. Maybe you're in a time where you're going, it's not good for me. He's leading you through that place. He's with you as you got to that place, but he's leading you through that place. That place will soon be in your rearview mirror. Sooner than you think. This life goes by really fast. Really, really fast. I got a package in the mail. That's actually Jan and I did. Three papers, three theological papers written by a friend of ours named Mike Jager, who is, again, one of those most interesting people you'll ever meet. Um, uh, He is this larger-than-life guy, but very humble, just a go-for-it dude. Uh, At one point, he, he decided to fly his little plane around the world. He did. He just was that kind of guy. But for a lot of his life, he was a, a church guy in the sense that he would say, I'm a Christian. I went to Hollywood Presbyterian Church as a kid. I go to St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church in Newport Beach. He was a developer. Uh, just an amazing cat. But, but he realized at some point in his 50s, you know, I've kind of wasted a lot of my life. I've done a lot of stuff. It's been a great life, but I've really been ignoring God. I've been taking it for granted. So he's really been spending, investing his time in, the, in reading the Bible. Well, here he is at now 87, writing these theological papers. They're so profound. They're so good. 
Now, he went to Stanford University, so you think, well, no, yeah, no, no kidding, he's a smart guy. But no, uh, going to that university had nothing to do with this process. It had everything to do with him finally giving enough time and attention to God that he loves this. He can't get enough of it. Why? Because it's his hope. He's fit. He's healthy. He's thoroughly enjoying life. He's not afraid to die. But he's saying, this has captured my imagination. I wish I'd done this earlier in my life. I wish I'd taken this kind of attention and interest earlier in my life. I assumed somebody else would take care of that, but I didn't realize it was for me. See, hope is so powerful. When we start to experience it in a practical way, as we move forward with God, we say, oh, I can't get enough of this. And, and just to remind you, it's not about being religious. I can't get enough of going to church. It's not more going to church. It's just being more alive in Christ. Having a sense of I'm alive in Christ because I'm paying attention to him. You still do all the other things you're doing, unless there's something that you should be repenting of and confessing and not doing. But you're doing everything you normally do, but all of a sudden you do it with a sense of, oh my gosh, it's so much bigger and better than I thought. We're called to walk with Jesus. And so living a virtuous life is a journey with Jesus who is preparing us for our true home. Uh, we should stay absolutely focused day to day in this world, but it's not our true home. This is not our true home. This is not the best version of your life. Well, I love my life. Great, fantastic, you should. Or my life's really hard. I don't know if I want to keep living it. No, no, hang in there. It does get better in this life, but also beyond this life. The full meaning of our life isn't contained in this life, but emerges from within it. Let that sink in. The full meaning of your life is not contained in this life. And that's why when you get that big achievement or that you get past that big problem or something wonderful that you've been praying for and working for comes to be, you will probably have that odd sense of why am I kind of bummed out or why am I sort of, okay, now what? I thought everything would come together now, be perfect. I met the right guy, met the right girl, had, had a kid, had this, got this job. But something is still unsettled to me. Uh, it's because this is not your true home. You can celebrate, you can enjoy, absolutely. Life in all its fullness is what Jesus came to give us. But this is not the final story of you. This is at best the, the prologue to the rest of the story. The, the short preface, the foreword. Those comments that some famous writer writes for an obscure writer in a book, right? Sometimes that pre preparation that part is so good, you think, well, I read the rest of the book. I think I got it summarized right here. But then the book even gets better. <clears throat> and so hope is the assurance that we'll get there because God keeps his promises. Hope carries us from where we are to where we will be one day at a time. So that's why it's important to stay focused each day. And along the way, we get to bear witness. We get to say, hey, I see something happening in terms of what I'm learning and what I'm seeing and what I'm experiencing in Christ. I've got a story to tell. We'll come back to that in a little bit. So hope isn't simply aspirational. I hope to have it someday. It's actionable. I have it today. What would it look like for me to embrace it and to lean into it, especially when circumstances are at the worst, when my fear is at the highest, where the uncertainty is at the most intense? It's functional now. And so how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we spend our energy reveals our present hope. If it's all coming apart, what's your hope in? What is your hope in? Because despair threatens our hope. Despair is the opposite of hope. Despair says there is no hope. It won't get better. There's nothing to live for. Um, and sometimes despair is the result of forces way beyond our control. I was, I, I, you heard me talk about three years ago where massive mudslides in Santa Barbara swept down. And at the very 
focused. I mean, the, 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 the center of that mudslide uh, was the McManigal's house. And uh, some of the family was away, and so the dad and, and one of the sons, six sons, one of the sons were in the house that night. It feels like a freight train's coming through this beautiful home in Montecito. And the, the dad wakes up and goes, oh my gosh, we've got to get out of here. Now, this is a guy who is so well-known and so well-loved in Santa Barbara, and the six boys are, are amazing. And he and his son realize this mudslide is coming down. We can't, get, we can't run fast enough to get away from it. And they grab hands. And the outcome was it, it took a long time to find John. And the boy was swept down from the house down to the freeway, down to the 101. A long way to go. Despair waves over the community. Despair waves over that family. We didn't do anything wrong. What could we have done differently? That's, that's a version of despair that you might have faced or you will face. Something way beyond your control and you say, this is not right. Where was God in this? And that's a haunting question. There's an answer to that, but it doesn't come quickly. Because anything that comes too quickly is going to sound trite and superficial. That's a version of despair that hope speaks to if, we, if we're patient to wait for the answer. Another kind of despair is the kind of despair that we initiate ourselves because we put all these expectations on what's going to happen, what God's going to do, how it's going to be. And when those don't come, uh, we either get angry at the world or we get angry at ourselves. Uh, so when I was, I was a new believer, I went to this concert, and it was an amazing concert, phenomenal people. It was in the Santa Cruz Mountains, one of these festivals you know, outside. It was like hippiedom, you know? Everybody in their full freak flag fly kind of a mode. And there's this guy on stage, long blonde hair, big beard, piercing blue eyes. He's playing guitar, and he's singing these songs about Christ. I'm like, wow, this guy's amazing. Well, it turns out the guy was amazing because... Uh, he was a professional guitar player, a singer who played with everybody that came through the Bay Area. They called him and said, Gary, can you sit in with us? And he was that guy. And then I saw him at the concert. I thought, that guy's a phenomenal musician. And, and then a few weeks later, I was somewhere, and I ran into the guy. I said, hey, I saw you play. Yeah, yeah. So we, we became friends, and, and he, uh, I think I told you the story. He was a guy who funded me to go to Urbana, the largest mission conference in the world for university students. 20,000 students showing up in the depths of winter in Urbana, Illinois. A very bad location, but a very great conference. And he, he and his wife, Cindy, said, hey, what do you need to go? And I said, I need this. I don't have, you know. He said, hey, how about this? So he gave, gave me the money. Well, then what happened, though, though was Gary had this aspirational sense of, this is what I'm going to be, what I'm going to do. He gets married to Cindy. They have a, a baby. And all of a sudden, it's not easy. And it's not fun. And his expectations aren't working out. And, and, and next thing you know, he disappears. And the next thing you know, they find him hanging from a redwood uh, on the coast north of Santa Cruz. It was devastating for all of us. And it wasn't for everybody, lack, you know, no lack of trying on everybody's part to say, Gary, Gary, come on, man. But it was, it was sadly... Yeah, the pain he was feeling, but it was really the pain that he had created. It wasn't mental illness in any classic sense, any technical sense. It was selfishness. It was self-centeredness. It was a form of narcissism that said, if I can't be the greatest whatever I've imagined myself to be, why would I settle for just being married and just being a father to a wonderful wife and a, and a beautiful child? And he pulled away, pulled away, pulled away. It was an ego-driven thing. This is one of the crazy things. We can experience despair because of circumstances beyond our control 
or circumstances that we, in a sense, absolutely control. And so hope covers the distance. Hope is so essential for us. Without that, uh, our, our, best sh- our best efforts, the greatest resources are to no avail. John, the, God, the, the, the apostle of Jesus, in his first letter, 1 John 4, 4, speaks to this. He says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Gary, Gary, you know that Jesus is in you and Jesus is for you. Yeah, I do, but I'm just not awesome enough. What do you say to that? But if you sit long enough and listen to God, you'll get the message, right? The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I love the way uh, Psalm 33 describes it. Uh, presumably one of David's psalms. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. Confident, confident expectation. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice. For we trust in his holy name, whether in life or in death. We trust in his holy name above all other names. I trust people. I love people. I, I receive help from people. I wouldn't be able to do what I do without the love and care and concern and support of people. And yet the Lord's name is above all those people. And he says, may your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. So being a king, being a strong warrior, having a strong horse is good. All the things you have that are great resources are good. Don't disparage them. Don't over-spiritualize them. Well, these are just things. What do you mean? Just things. They're things. They're things that are useful. They're things that can bless you and bless other people. Oh, it's just money. Yeah, but it's money that could make a difference in somebody's life. Well, it's just my time. Yeah, invest it wisely. Well, I know so many people. Really? Do they know that you know Jesus? Well, that's a different thing. No, it isn't a different thing. Why are you boasting about knowing so many people, being so networked, when they don't know who you really are? Would they be shocked to hear, as they read your obituary, that you were an ardent follower of Jesus? Well, they never told me that. Why? Is it like a secret thing? No, they were just a little bit ashamed because it maybe got in the way of their networking. So having all the advantages in life isn't enough. Hope in the Lord is absolutely essential. In whom or what are you placing your hope? Prioritize your hope in the Lord. Now, don't spiritualize it the other way. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to wait for God to give me the perfect job to heal me. I don't want to do what the doctors are telling me to do. I'm waiting to be healed. Well, what if God's going to heal you through what the doctors are telling you? That means you're disobeying God. We spiritualize in two ways. That either everything that's materialistic is bad, or that, uh, and along with that, that I am just going to depend on the Lord. And we we give up responsibility for our lives. If my friend Gary had said, my life sucks, I'm sick of it, I'm sick of me. I'm embarrassed and ashamed to say that I was a follower of Jesus and now I've denied him. It's hard being me. 
He would have been so swarmed with love and support. Gary, we're here with you. We're walking with you. You're still you. You're still you. No, you're not walking up getting a Grammy. No, you're not headlining in front of 40,000 people. You're headlining in front of Cindy and your daughter. You're headlining with your friends. You're headlining in God's eyes. And so the psalmist in 62 says this, Yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Our hope is in the Lord who gives us purpose and endurance and a story to tell. So let me just touch on those three points as we move into communion. The Lord gives us purpose. Uh, Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 40, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now this is a heightened heightened way of saying there's, there's hope for you. Yes, the problem is bigger than you, but guess who is also bigger than the problem? Big God, small problems. Big problems, small God. So for what purpose does Isaiah write this? Well, so that we can experience God's will in our life by being and by doing, by being in him and doing his will one day at a time. What's his will? It's just the stuff you do to honor him and glorify him and bless people. It's just you showing up being you. No special equipment necessary. So who am I becoming is the question. Do I reflect Christ in my life? That is reflecting in Christ not because I'm so awesome and perfect, but saying, I, Lord, I confess my absolute need for your absolute grace. Lord, I feel like giving up. I feel like a, a failure. I feel so dumb. I feel like, what are you feeling right now? Or I'm so happy. I'm so great. Uh, you stand back because I think I've got it from here on out. Do I reflect Christ in my life? What am I doing to develop that? During COVID, we've all been super busy, but it's also been a different, different rhythm of work and rest. During that time, have you taken advantage of the fact that you can actually invest your time in your relationship with God? Read the Bible that you've been meaning to read. Have those conversations you've been meaning to have. Are you making good use of the time? That's what it means to, de- to commit yourself to being developed. So hope involves God working in us and through us to accomplish his purposes for us. Hope is God's initiative. Hope is, hope is what God brings into the, the relationship. Are you responding to the hope he's giving you? I love the way the, the, um, the theologian Jürgen Moltmann, Jürgen Moltmann was uh, Karl Barth kind of a guy, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you don't know those names, don't worry about it. But these were the people speaking the truth of the gospel during the regime of the Nazis. When the German church said, oh, this is awesome. Law and order, good, trains run on time, we're all happy. Uh, there was a whole group of German Christians and theologians saying, this is outrageous, this is idolatry, this is evil, this is demonic. And they were, uh, you know, they were the, some of the top professors and theologians in the country. They were phenomenal warriors for Christ. Humble, nonviolent for the most part. I mean, Bonhoeffer was accused of plotting Hitler's death and he was hung. The last vicious thing that Hitler did was to make sure Bonhoeffer get hung. Um, but he says this, from first to last, Christianity is hope. Now, here's a guy who lived under the regime of the Nazis. 
From first to last, Christianity is hope, forward-looking and forward-moving, and therefore also revolutionizing and transforming the present. The equivalent would be seeing this in somebody's diary having lived through the Taliban. Somebody right now who's in Afghanistan, and months from now, we get to hear of their experience there, and they were, they were upfront about their faith, they were, they were stand-up people saying, you know, this is, this is not right. From first to last, Christianity is hope, forward-looking and forward-moving, and therefore also revolutionizing and transforming the present. So hope changes our perspective by right-sizing life's meaning and purpose. We have purpose to live knowing that everything in life has meaning. Your life has a meaning. Even if you can't see it, even if you can't point to it, or even if you can't describe it, your life in the mess it is or the wonderful adventure it is has meaning. Don't miss the meaning and the purpose. And so First Peter says this way, Praise God, Father, uh, uh, praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So the Lord gives us purpose, and in that purpose we have endurance. The Lord gives us endurance. Second um, Corinthians tells us, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. The Lord, who is the source of our hope, who takes the initiative in bringing hope into our lives, is renewing us day by day. We're getting older, all of us. You can be 14, 13, 16. I'm guessing your age. 80, no, I won't go anymore. Um, We're wasting away, but we're being renewed. We have endurance. The best wine is made from grapes that struggle and put down deep roots. I don't know what problems you face right now, but I know God is with you in your problems. God is not the problem. God is with you in your problems. Maybe you're the problem, maybe not. Just focus on him. Don't try to assign blame for the problem. Just say, Lord, I know you're with me. I know you're in me. I know you're for me. What is it that I can learn? What can I do to respond to your grace in my life? May the God of hope, Romans, uh, Paul says in Romans, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This means obeying him, putting his word into practice. If you don't know his word, you're withholding from yourself some big resources. If you don't pray, you're withholding from yourself the power of the Holy Spirit to speak into your life. If you're not connecting with people smarter than you and, and more mature than you in the faith, you're withholding from yourself resources to encourage you and support you and to help you make some decisions that align with God's purposes for you. And so hope moves us to trust people even as we trust God. Hope builds deep community. Are you experiencing deep community anywhere? You might be new to this church. There's a lot of people who are in this church who are not in these, in, within these walls today. But being part of a community is more than attending a worship service. It's participating in a community. COVID has made that so devastatingly hard for us. It's horrible because we don't have all the normal, we don't do all the normal things we do. We do a little bit of them. We do our best to simulate what we've done in the past. It just feels so disconnected right now, but that will pass soon. We need to be in community. Hope builds community because we have a purpose and we can have endurance. Bring us to the last thing. The Lord gives us a story to tell. Hope gives us purpose, it gives us endurance, endurance, it gives us a story to tell. Not a fabrication, not a litany of hyperbole. I am so great. 
but rather an authentic story to tell in appropriate ways. So again, from First Peter, in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. That is, recognizing him as the main commitment, your primary allegiance. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So hope isn't denial or avoidance. It's not obfuscation. It's not sugarcoating. Oh, it'll be fine. It's just a flesh wound. Well, the doctor said it was cancer, but I'm sure it's going to pass. So it's not denial. It's not avoidance. It's not sugarcoating. It's saying, this is where I really am, and God is with me. This is where I really am, and God is really with me. It's a way that we see God at work in our life, and therefore we learn to enthusiastically observe, bear witness to Christ the source of our hope. This isn't spiritual bragging. It's telling a story of what our life means to us. What does your life mean to you? What does your life mean to you? How would you tell that story? Not to impress, but simply to let somebody know what it's like being you. So people who put their hope in Christ have purpose. What is yours? People who have hope in Christ have endurance. What does that look like for you? People who have hope in Christ, have a story to tell. What is your story? Can you, can you summarize it in a sentence? Can you build it out to a paragraph? If you're driving from here to Mammoth, so in six hours, and you had a chance to unpack your story, could you start with a sentence? Well, here's, here's my life in a, in a sentence. Here's the, the summary of it, the executive summary. And for the next five hours, if you'd like, ask me any question. I'll tell you as much as I can about me. And I'd like to know the same about you. You have a purpose. You have endurance. You have a story to tell. That's what brings us to this table. That Jesus, having spent three years with these disciples, teaching them about their purpose and how to endure and the story that they had to tell, on that final meal, gathers them together and having blessed this bread, breaks it and says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you have one of those little packets with you, that's your communion kit. If you do not, raise your hand and we will put one of those in your hand. If you didn't pick one up, just raise your hand and we'll distribute some of those. In the same manner, Jesus took the cup and having blessed this cup, uh, the deep, rich history of the bread of the cup, I won't go into today, um, he takes the cup, he blesses it, he says, this is the new covenant in my blood. Immediately he calls the wine a covenant of blood. A new relationship through my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And So that's why we continue to celebrate uh, Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. Because it reminds us, it points us, it confirms in us God's abiding presence and God's glorious work. So Lord Jesus... As we receive this bread and this cup, we do so honoring you, recognizing your presence in it. Uh, We do so humbly, knowing that it's a gift from you, far beyond our reach to earn or even deserve, but you love us that much. You've given us this relationship in your blood, your body, sacrifice for us, your atoning sin, redeeming and restoring and rescuing this world by your death on the cross and your resurrection from the dead, Your, your reign in glory, and your promised return. We thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit gives us the capacity to hope, to practice it, to experience it, to express it in so many creative ways. So I thank you for each one here today, and we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.
Let's uh, continue worshiping as we hear some music, as you sing in response, as you offer yourself to the Lord. Show. 
Fantastic. I want to show you something before the benediction. Fall kickoff is next week. We have one service at 9 a.m. And then afterwards, outside, we'll have live music, hot food, games, and even some competition. You'll have the opportunity to connect with some new people and people you've known for years. See you next week. Hey, did you know that we also have a young adults lunch? We meet every Sunday at 12.30 after church in the Surf Shack. We have good food, lively Bible discussions, and even great life discussions as well. If you're a young adult, you should come on by. But if you also know a young adult, you should invite them. And after church on your way out, don't forget to grab invitations for both events. Well, there you have it. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us all, giving us everything we need to walk in his love, live in his grace one day at a time, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
This thing in. <laughs> Dad, you're boring.